Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to podcast number 138. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. We come to you a day later than normal. We apologize for that, but we had a really good reason. Zoner was living like a hobo in his own home. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Got new flooring. You know, my carpet is now super plush. Because yeah, hobos have, always get new carpeting. I have nice wood in the floor and my kitchen, but... First world problems. Yeah, I had to move my kitchen into my garage and my living room into my kitchen and sleep this, on my kid's bedroom floor and... This you do plush, have a nice luxurious, hobo beard. Yes, yes, this is true. <laughs> The, the hobo beard is coming in nicely. It is. I'm trying, you know. It is It is no-shave November. However, yeah. it's just no-shave lazy fat guy. So, Which is kind of a year-round holiday. It's the yeah. one that Hallmark does not make a card for. <laughs> but, you know, we all should be given a gift for that. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, um, we want to thank everyone. If you're uh, listening to this, well, obviously you're listening to this, if you can hear this. Uh, the voting period for the Ninth Annual Podcast Awards ended like a half hour ago. We want to thank everyone for their support and all this. We honestly, we can't stop gushing. We couldn't do this without you. We probably wouldn't do this without you. Uh, the only reason we made it past episode eight, I think, is because we realized people were listening to us. So oh. we... Re- we do listen? Yeah. Yeah, hey. So we do appreciate it. We do it for you. Uh, we love you guys. You guys keep us on the air. Now, uh, this is also marks the end of Krypton Radio's Kickstarter program they had going. So special thanks to anyone who went out and helped them. I get a mouse pad. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Great guys over there. We, we love there. helping them out. Uh, in fact, uh, we love helping out all our friends. TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, and Stitcher.com. So, yay. Now, you can see us. We, we have, since we were nominated, we were finalists for the podcast awards. You will be able to find us down in Las Vegas in January, uh, 4th, 5th, and 6th at the New Media Expo. And we'll be also bringing you a treat afterwards because Dr. Squishy and I, uh, at least, we don't know who else is going, but we will be staying in Vegas covering CES for you. So we hope to be bringing you some interviews, some audio, some video, and a whole lot of cool techie gadget fun, and maybe some booth babes. Uh, maybe. Probably maybe. not. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's not going to happen. If, if I show up, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll dress up as a booth, booth babe. Funny you. story. The last time I was at CES, because I've been at CES before, it happens the same week as the Adult Entertainment Expo in the same town. And it is really easy to leave one expo and accidentally walk into the other one without realizing it at first, because the booth babes look the same. The products look slightly different, but but only on closer inspection. I don't know what that says about the gadget industry. They're merging. Yeah, pretty much. Personal electronics. Personal digital assistant. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we got that awkward subject out of the way. There was so much I just wanted to say there, and I just I couldn't bring myself to it. We are a family-friendly show, yeah. Okay, uh, into our headlines. First off, and this is kind of old now, because it, it broke just after we recorded last week, 
but news came out down the pipe. The NSA not only knows how Edward Snowden got all those files, but they know how many of them he got. We keep bringing up that every week it seems like just more and more starts coming out. It's like he didn't know how much he had until he started going through it. And, oh, hey, it's another week. I'll release some more. No, they're saying over 200,000 documents. Which sounds like a horrible thing. And you know what? In a way it is. Because, as it turns out, the NSA hired him as a contractor after he was fired from the CIA. And they flagged his file as potential threat. I guess he was caught stealing files from them. They fired him, flagged him, and he got hired at the NSA anyway. Here's where it gets even better. So, you know how he at first kept saying how he stumbled across all these files? <laughs> Not so. <laughs> Not so. He went digging to the point that he actually hacked the system by using other people's passwords. Well, hey, that must require some really incredible skills, right? Man on a mission. Skills like, you know, walking up to coworkers and saying, hey, what's your password? Hey, I need your password because of such and such uh, security in the system. Need to check a few things. Yeah. And they would just give it to him. No questions asked. This is what's known as low-tech hacking or no-tech hacking. Look it up. There's some YouTube videos, some really, really social, great... Social yeah, engineering. Social engineering. Social engineering. I mean, and social engineering is only one part of low-tech hacking. There's an entire skill to it. Spycraft is built around it. But this is uber-stupid. This is evidently means that the NSA is hiring people who have no clue what it is they're doing. Okay? 21-year-olds are more protective over their Facebook accounts than these people were over the nation's secrets. This is the federal government. Do you expect less? Do you I expect kind of, more? I kind of expected more, to be honest. Well, I, I, I think it makes... They can't get mail delivery right. <laughs> it, it makes after, me wonder if... After 150 people... years... Most of, most, of, most of these people don't understand how much access their own password gives them. I know that I, I've worked in a few financial institutions where people didn't know they they had access to all the financial data and stuff like that just right on the on the network drives. They had no they, they didn't know how to get to it, but they had access to it. And I, with the right pa- the password in the right hands, you know, that's. I got a second Schmitty on that one. I've worked in the healthcare industry, and, oh, why would anyone want my password? I mean, they can have it. What on earth are they going to do with it? Well, I don't know. How about download all of your patients' files? That stuff is worth gold on the black market. And against a whole bunch of HIPAA compliance? (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a reason why it's against federal law. So maybe you shouldn't be offering up your passwords to anyone. People, (laughs) honestly... What was that old AOL warning or or MSN warning that showed up at the top of every MSN messenger window? Admins will not ask for your password. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Seriously, people. Admin doesn't need to ask for your password because they have your password already. The admin, if someone is supposed to have their password, they already have it. Or a way to bypass it. That's just how it is. Holy crap. I, mean, <laughs> I have nothing else to say. I remember reading this article, and, and I linked to it here. And uh, I'll also throw in the show notes the Gizmodo write-up on it, because it's just kind of funny on that. But I, I couldn't stop facepalming. This is so bad. 
the worst possible security breach in U.S. intelligence in the history of the agency, of any of the agencies, and it happened by a bunch of people who were just giving their passwords away to someone who asked. Yeah. Makes me want to go ask for some passwords, see what I can dig up. It is important to know that all, all those employees that reportedly gave their <clears throat> passwords to him were relieved of their duties. Though we don't know if that means they were fired or just, like, given a, a broom. I don't know. In a way, I would like to think that the NSA is kind of like those evil, you know, it's like Spectre. When we say they were relieved of their duty, they were actually, like, fed to the laser sharks or dropped into the <laughs> volcano or something. We're going to put you on the front lines. You are now acting KBG double agent. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love those shows. <laughs> <laughs> We've decided to drop you from a plane just to see if you could fly. <laughs> we filmed it to uh, as a training video for all of our other new hires. Don't give your password out. We need more av- evil agencies like that. Just out and out evil. No more of this Google building barges crap. We need actual specter. Okay, um, it, oh, speaking of Google, wow, almost like I planned that. Ooh, <laughs> so good. Go- Google has, um, been at war with a bunch of, uh, writers, about a, a writer's union. For a long, for the longest time, they have been trying to scan in old books into digital format, into ebook format. Trying, they've been succeeding, they've scanned over 100,000 books. Yeah, well, they didn't like that. The Authors Guild, has fought them tooth and nail on that, saying, you can't do that to our works. You know, our works exist as ours. They're ours. You cannot do that. It's against the law. I mean, literally, they've been fighting for eight years on this, which is longer, if you think about it, than most people have been familiar with ebooks in the first place. You know, this has been going on since the beginning. Well, finally, a U.S. district judge, Denny Chin, uh, has ruled that, no, Google can do it. However, uh, it has to be snippets. You can't show the whole book at once, and Google can't make any money off of it. So I don't know if you call this a win for Google, but... I, I know that they, they've been enhancing one of their technologies off of this. Um, you guys know of the recapture project, right? Um, all of the the really fuzzy words you see in recapture are from these scanned books that they're doing. So... It, even if they don't use any of the content in any of these books, they're enhancing their their uh, uh, text recognition software by crowdsourcing it. So even if they don't get any money out of any of these books, they're still now the best OCR software company out there. Now, so, uh, describe again what reCAPTCHA is or CAPTCHA. Okay, so reCAPTCHA is when when you when you sign into a site or or register for a forum. Um, after after the whole registration page, there's an image of some text or numbers, and you have to type them in to prove that you're a human. Um, there's a lot of different services that do it. Some websites make their own, but a service that uh, is almost universal that, that a lot of that most places use is called reCAPTCHA, and Google actually backs it, and they feed a lot of their images into that, um, and those images come from these books. So Yeah, so... Uh, I honestly can't quite... Maybe this is just a generational thing, you know, not saying, hey, old fogies, back off. But I don't understand why authors wouldn't be happy with this in the long run. Normally, yeah, yeah. 
uh, an author needs to pay money, or their publisher needs to pay money for their book to be moved into an EPUB format, or or scanned in, and yeah, there's there's so many books that are out of print because either the author has has either died or gone on to other things, and the publisher's just forgotten about the book. So many books are out of print because they've been forgotten, and this would put them back into the system. So I, that's why I have a hard time understanding why people are up in arms about it. Yeah, agreed. In another way, too, books don't last. We know this. Books don't last. And that's okay. It's part of the medium. But if only for posterity's sake, well, doesn't it make sense to scan in these old books? I mean, and, and people are saying here, this is an Ars Technical article that we're referencing. They are seeing this mainly as a boon for researchers. Researchers will be able to go back through, index, and find anything from these old texts. Imagine if we had been doing this for thousands of years. Obviously, we haven't. Technology hasn't been there. But one day, we will have been. Thousands of years in the future, people will be able to sit there and read, you know, Monster Hunter International, the, the, the historical text. <laughs> uh, and... We'll be able to reference this, and we could have we could have had an original copy of Into the West, or Art of War, or the Iliad, or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I think one important aspect of this too is how many times do you see where books get changed? If you have an actual scan or an image, or better yet, the actual book. And somebody goes through and tries to change things to suit whatever purpose it is that they're trying to suit. Uh, you know, then there's still the original where you can go back and say, no, this is how it was. You know, I, I think that, I think that it's very important. It's very important. It's I understand point. that people aren't going to be making money off of it right now, and that's really what the argument was about, both on Google's side and on the author's side, but it still seems just kind of, I don't know, petty. If that's the right word, yeah. I mean, they're obviously doing it for for a good cause. Whether or not Google wants money from it, it's still a good cause. I mean, for the for the points that that we pointed out, books don't last forever. I mean, it's win win in my eyes. Whether or not people make money off of it. Hmm. Well, I want to know what our listeners think. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Let us know because we may be only seeing one side of this. You know, admittedly, we're not. We're not all over this one. We're typically, you know, pro-information. So, yeah. hey, you know what's really cool It's coming out, the new technology that uh, Microsoft just turned into uh, absolute crap? 3D printing. Hmm? Windows 8... <laughs> okay, bear with me here. Windows okay. 8.1 just launched like a month ago, right? Yeah. And it has the native ability to control 3D printers. It's the only operating system that does... 3D printers, if you're not familiar, is the ability uh, ha have the ability to lay down bits of plastic or sometimes metal and create three-dimensional objects off of a CAD file. Really great for rapid prototyping, really awesome for most anything. You can create anything from it. Um, they just created working guns. Yeah, well, sometimes yeah. they work and sometimes they don't. Causing a lot of stress, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. When that, that's something we've talked about before, but the technology is getting there to the point where you can order something from Amazon, they send you the file, and you print it out. 
It's where we will get there one day, and 3D printers are the stepping stone there. Well, right now, Microsoft Windows 8.1 is the only OS that natively supports it. That's cool. Microsoft also just launched their uh, tool that can connect to 3D printers and allow you to draw things right off the bat uh, with absolutely no 3D CAD knowledge at all. At first, I thought that was cool until I saw the program. Now I think it's absolutely lame. And here's why. Okay, You can make a money clip. You can make a train track. You can make a cup. You can make a number of different projects. And I'm sorry if I'm going to sound hypercritical here, but 3D printing is like one of the coolest technologies to be made in our lifetime. It's being used by medical researchers. It's being used by NASA to create rockets. And Microsoft launches a program that looks like it's at home in a hobby lobby. It's it's like it's the next cricket vinyl cutter or something. It's like you're going to be seeing things on Pinterest made out of this crap. But when you think about it, though, and you're not going to be having people who are doing replacement kneecaps printing from Windows 8.1 at home. You're going to have moms who want to make a cute cup to post on Pinterest. Yeah, and I and I think that's the exact uh, demographic that it's that this is for. People like us that are going to get a 3D printer for for hobby reasons, we're not going to use this 3D builder app. We're going to use either the app that comes with the 3D printer if we bought a really nice one, or we're going to use what online communities are telling us to use. Um, but th- this app is definitely for not our demographic. <laughs> like well, like you say, the the Pinterest demographic and the, the people that want to just make that, that cute cup or the cute spoon that they saw. Well, am I just up in the night then for being upset they've trivialized it so? Yeah. I, I think so. <laughs> well, and, and not... Fair it's, enough. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, yeah, this is, this is kind of the watered-down version of, of AutoCAD. Very watered-down. Um... I would I would put it more along the lines of like Spore Creature Creator. Um, but that being said, it makes it really easy for the person that that has no spatial reasoning, that has no um, experience with creating things in 3D, let alone not you know they don't even have to know how the 3D printer works, and it gives them the tools to make something from their their creative mind that they wouldn't be able to do before where this is something that's only in the do-it-yourself realm only people that are really hardcore builders that understand how this stuff works can do it now this whole other demographic can do it so i think it's a cool thing i get i get what you guys are saying and i understand that. i guess my true worry is the fact that i don't think 3d printers have matured enough to the point that they're ready for general consumption Okay, I'll I worry there. <laughs> I worry that by encouraging the general populace to start using them for crap like this, it's going to stagnate. People are going to be, oh, this is so cool. Look, I can make a flower. Isn't this awesome? I can post that. I can send it to my grandkids. And it's not going to help innovate the industry anymore. I mean, that's the way a lot of technology, at least used to, maybe it's changed. Maybe I'm the old fogey now, but... It used to be that a lot of technology got pushed forward by those early adopters pushing the limits. And I'm sorry, but making a money clip is not pushing the limits of this technology. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you that it that it's way before its time. It's, but I'll disagree that it's it's not going to push innovation along. I think this putting 3D printing into the masses 
is one of the only ways to get it to the masses. Uh, I mean, we we've seen we've seen 3D printers in all the news outlets. We've seen it uh, all over the internet. People that that don't know how to use them have seen it and they think, oh, that's really cool, but we're never going to see it. Now all of a sudden, it's available to them. And I mean, you could you'll be able to buy them in Walmart within a couple months. And and now Windows 8 supports it. People plus they can make a cup. Yeah, and they can make a cup. I mean, not that they're going to go out and buy them right away, but they're getting it into people's hands earlier than than a lot of other technologies have. I think it's a good thing. So, I guess I I can understand that. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. My knee jerk reaction was still <laughs> just too soon. So yeah, it three D printers do have that taste of you know it's it's the whole Arduino Raspberry Pi realm and. And I agree that the Arduino and Raspberry Pi aren't going to ever make it into the mass public, but 3D printers have a chance because of what they can make and what they can do. You so. could 3D print accessories for your Arduino. Exactly. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I'm going to make a case for my Arduino. Schmitty's like, I've already, I've already done it. Let me show you my flowchart. <laughs> Here you go. See? <laughs> I made it up in MS Paint. Actually, Google SketchUp, but which I can print out to a 3D printer. Oh my gosh, that's the next crossover we're going to see. MS Office printing to a 3D printer. We can have like a flowchart in 3D. Oh wow, hang that on your wall. <laughs> now, not the wall, the ceiling. There you go. It's a like above the baby's crib. It's a hanging mobile flowchart. <laughs> Great. This that's is actually that. not a bad idea. This is the data source, and here it is flowing into the output tables. <laughs> and here's a filter. Okay. Um, into some software acquisition news. It turns out that Facebook offered Snapchat some pocket change to buy them. And by pocket change, I mean like $3 billion. And Snapchat said no. Snap. <laughs> You were just waiting for that, weren't you? Snapchat, if you haven't been hearing or using it, Snapchat is a messaging service. It's a picture messaging service where you can just quickly snap a picture and it sends and then it's gone, supposedly. They found that doesn't actually work. Um, here's, here's the thing, and we've said this before about other startups, right? When Facebook or Google or Twitter or anyone offers to buy you for that amount of money because you are the... Um, you're the hot thing, right? Front runner. Yeah. You're the front runner. You're the hot thing. You are it. And they offer you that kind of money. You take the money and you run. Because if you don't take the money, that larger business is going to say, okay, and they're going to make a clone of it and they're going to kill you. Does anyone remember Groupon? <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah, that thing. That's yeah. Now, Groupon's still around, okay? Our prediction was that Groupon was going to die. This was uh, w actually when we first started recording. Groupon was approached by Google, I want to say, and offered a ludicrous amount of money. And they said, no, we don't think so. We think we're worth a lot more than that. Well, then out came um, Google Deals or Google Local or so, whatever so, it was called. And then well, Amazon was Locals and Google, I think, yeah, Deals. Yeah. Now... Groupon is still around, which is honestly kind of surprising, and they're in no—they're in no worry of going out of business. However, they are no longer the only player on the block. 
they have competition at at least four or five other companies that are just as strong, making just as much money, and Groupon is now no longer anywhere near as valuable as it was when they were first approached. I guess the question is, is are you trying to get rich off of your internet startup or are you trying to create an empire? If you're trying to create an empire, you went into the wrong business. <laughs> That's not happening. If you're trying to make a buck, take the buck when it's offered to you. Yeah, I see two, two possible explanations for this. One, they're, they're stupid, like you've pointed out. Or two, they have another offer on the table from someone else that's similar or larger. So, I, I kind of want to lean towards the second because I, I don't, I don't believe that everyone in Silicon Valley is, is as stupid as we always think they are. <laughs> so I, I kind of wonder if there's another deal in the works um, with another company or a merger coming up. So just just my opinion about the idea. Don't you think, though, that word of that would have leaked? I mean, because nobody can keep their mouth shut. So if there was a big deal to the tune of bigger than $3 billion well... floating out there for this brand new company, don't you think somebody would have said something? Maybe, unless under like threat of legal duress. I mean, we're talking billions at this point. That's the kind of money that you shut your mouth for. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, according to the article, Snapchat has been valued by Tencent Holdings, which is a Chinese company. Uh, they say the startup is worth $4 billion. However, at the same time, it's really only used amongst teenagers and young adults. Let's be honest, it's used for sexting. I again. <laughs> again, I'll pull the old fogey card here. People sending pictures that can be immediately deleted and are gone from everywhere. What do you think teenagers are using it for? Honestly. <laughs> Math test results? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ain't happening. <laughs> Look at this cool picture of a duck. Huh. Now it's gone. Now, but the teenagers and the young adults aren't using it easy as come, more. Easy come, easy go. Oh, jeez. But they're... <laughs> Schmitty's down. He's down for the count. They're not using it as much anymore. There's other services you can use. There's copycats already in the works. They're already starting to lose that market share. I don't think... I mean, yeah, Schmitty's right. There's either another offer on the table that is $4 billion or close to it, and again, I'd shut my mouth for a billion dollars. I wouldn't leak anything. Or they think they're worth more than they actually are. Yeah. And only time will tell. Right now, they cannot be reached for comment, which means either they, oh, I realize I made a big mistake, or, yeah, we can't tell you something's bigger coming down the line. So, time will tell, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I I wouldn't. I'm going to make this prediction, and again, my predictions seem to have a fifty-fifty chance here. But I'm going to make the prediction that come this time next year, Snapchat will not have been purchased by anyone, and they will be struggling against multiple copycat services that were nowhere to be seen right now. It'll be the Groupon of the picture messaging services. Pretty much, yep. Gotcha. And then in five years, BlackBerry will come out with their version. <laughs> On the BlackBerry Bold 5,000. No, no, no. I want to see this come out in ne in Spring's Apple conference. I want Tim Cook up on stage. <laughs> We've upgraded iMessage. 
We have revolutionized teenager sexting. Now you can send pictures, and they're immediately synced across in high def. Yes, with the new Retina display, and immediately synced across all your iOS devices. Then they are securely deleted in the iCloud. <laughs> revolutionary, and people will go nuts because it's revolutionary. I would pay to see an Apple conference like that, where they've actually revolutionized something that's not really that great. <laughs> Now you, too, can browse kitty porn securely from the comfort of your own home. But that's not all. <laughs> but that's not all. I meant kitties, like, you know, cats. Does Tim Cook say that, or was that just a Jobs thing? That's just that's a Jobs all. thing. Okay. I, I, Tim Cook doesn't do it so much anymore. But you know who I'm talking about if I say it that but way. But wait, there's more! <laughs> exactly. No, that's Ronco. <laughs> I know. <laughs> not one, not two, but three, three if you order within the next hour. You can love my nut. <laughs> that's slap chop guy yeah. Yeah, Steve okay oh, Steve. <laughs> and we're off the rails okay uh, so in a hilarious uh, turn of face here Facebook more Facebook news they decided to send a message out to some people and if you got it here's why we reported last week on that massive security breach at Adobe right where they lost everyone's passwords they were encrypted by a hash, but uh, they included the hints that were not encrypted by a hash. 150 million subscribers, the three of us among them. And probably many of you, if you haven't checked yet. Well, Facebook decided, hmm, maybe we should check this. So they downloaded all 150 million passwords and usernames that got leaked found the hash, reverse-engineered it, and compared it with their subscriber bases, email addresses, and passwords. And if the password matched, you would have been met with a greeting when you signed into Facebook saying, Hi, your Adobe account was recently compromised, and you used the same password there as you use here. Change it. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> On one hand, this, this is awesome for two reasons. One... It really shows just how bad that password breach was. Yeah. Okay, everyone's like, oh, well, it was hashed, it was encrypted. Who would really, really go through that effort to get my password? Well, it turns out it's not that much effort. And two, I think it's the biggest slap in the face to users to wake up and change their passwords. I mean... How many people yeah, do you think that really got to, though? They're like, oh, well, I'll just change it to what I changed the other one to. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a surprising amount of people. 99.9% .9 of users on the Internet use the same password for every single account, from their bank account all the way to Facebook. It's not surprising that that Facebook was able to not only reverse-engineer Adobe's hash, hash system, but also that so many users were using the same password. It's not, not surprising to me. Now, Facebook wasn't really mean about it, but they did say that if you tried to log in, that you had to answer some uh, security questions before you, they would let you log in. They give you uh, the me... password hint that Adobe gave. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll actually read you the, the full message, okay? Recently, there was a security incident on another website unrelated to Facebook. Adobe. Facebook was not directly affected by the incident, by Adobe, but your Facebook account is at risk because you were using the same password in both places. To secure your account, you'll need to answer a few questions and change your password. 
for your protection, no one can see you on Facebook until you finish. Now, if you haven't been through the uh, Facebook forgot password or password recovery process, it's actually kind of ingenious. Because they know everything about you, thanks to you, they'll basically oftentimes show you pictures saying, who's okay, this? who's this? How are they related to you? What's going on in this picture? Recently had a birthday. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're using recent life events that you have put into the system to verify you, which is kind of ingenious. Did you eat for breakfast? <laughs> I'm not a huge Facebook fan. I think they're kind of the new evil empire uh, right up there with Google. That's my own opinion, though. But this is really ingenious. I mean... Says the guy who posted twice in the past 24 hours. <laughs> it's a necessary evil. I don't want to miss out. <laughs> I want people to think I'm cool. You're digging your hole, man. <laughs> and Candy Crush is just so freaking awesome, okay? Okay. All right. But that's just me. Candy Crush is evil. We all know it. It's totally evil. Candy Crush is your soul. Hey, you know who isn't evil, who I thought might have been, but turns out isn't? The FCC. And here's why. The FCC has basically put out an ultimatum to cell phone carriers. Unlock phones or else. Nice. Now, the or else part is kind of vague and open, and or else we'll be really upset with you, or or else it'll cause problems. We don't know. But the chairman of the FCC has said flat out, if a user has paid for their phone, if there are no more financial obligations for it, the carriers need to unlock the phone. This is awesome. We've talked about this before, that unlocking yeah. your phone is against many, 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 many laws. Um, and it's different than, I guess, it, actually, I'm not really sure. Is this unlocking like rooting or unlocking like being able to move carriers? I think it's unlocking being able to move carriers. That's, Zong, that's you what agree? I yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So um, here's the actual... Um, uh, the FCC has been working with them for eight months now to craft a policy that requires the telecom carriers to provide a clear, concise, and readily accessible policy on unlocking, unlock mobile devices for legitimate owners of those devices once their service contract has been fulfilled, notify customers when their devices are eligible to be unlocked and or automatically unlock those devices for free, unlock devices or provide an explanation of denial of any unlock request within two days, and unlock devices for military servicemen and women upon deployment. That yes. is just so full of awesome. <laughs> yes, yes, yes to all. This is right on the heels of the FCC saying, yeah, FAA, you should totally let these devices onto planes. So I'm kind of a fan of the FCC right now. You know who this is going to really take off, though? All the carriers. carriers. Yeah, all the carriers. <laughs> well, because for one, Verizon... Um, now, I, I use Verizon. I love them dearly for many reasons. But there are also many reasons for which I do not like them. Um, for this reason alone, um, I cannot unlock my device um, because they want to keep all their crapware on there. Uh, for other reasons, I, I can't root my device. I mean... I can, but I can't get away with it for very long. Um, I can't tether my phone without paying an extra fee. Um, this this rule on unlocking the phone would, would break that for them. Um, and I think also 
Verizon is also tying down all their phones to use um, the ISIS payment system in certain in certain areas. I cannot use Google Wallet with my phone for NFC payments, um, but this policy on unlocking would allow me to. So this would really help help out and tick off a lot of carriers. I think. Speaking of ISIS, they just launched this week nationwide. They were in just a few test markets, uh, Salt Lake City and Austin, Texas, I believe. They have launched, and they have some great deals. If you can get ISIS on your phone, do it. Because, I mean, free Jamba Juices every day until, like, March? Who doesn't want a free Jamba Juice? Don't get me wrong. ISIS is great. But the fact that I can't use Google Wallet, that's wrong. Yeah, I totally agree there you know i don't yeah. like variety i'm also with verizon i don't like the fact that they do put their bloatware on you cannot take it off i mean rooting the phone causes concerns when you go to trade it in unless you have a cool sales guy like i did nope i didn't see that uh, yeah <laughs> did you root this phone um maybe yeah i didn't see that let's just turn it back off um. <laughs> I, when I was on Verizon, I was lucky enough to have an oblivious salesperson, uh, mainly because I also bricked it in my routing process. What happened? I don't know. I went to bed one night. It said it had some updates. I woke up, and it won't work. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Let's get you a new one. Yeah, I lied. So sue me. They might. You just admitted. What? What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think podcasts are admissible in court. If Verizon listens to this, um, listen to the FCC. (laughs) Okay. um, In other kind of odd news, actually, we got wind today that the U.S. suffered a catastrophic cyber attack this week. I mean, massive. Two weeks' worth of attacks aimed directly at our infrastructure, power grids, public utilities and works, service for all sorts of different things, uh, first responder access, military personnel. We did not fare well. 150 people died of it. Seven of them were municipality uh, service contractors and employees. And at the end of it, hundreds of thousands of people were still left without power or any type of service. You probably didn't hear about this, however, because it was a simulation. A very real one, one which we did not do very well at, it turns out. Now, we've been talking off and on different headlines that have come to surface about people wanting to do these different um, simulations and trials. People who thought, no, we need to do this. This is the first time where it was actually done. Like 210 different agencies came together and for 48 hours straight or two simulated weeks where each hour of real time was the equivalent of four hours uh, in simulated time. I don't know quite how that works, but I'm sure they thought that Math. out. <laughs> Denominator. I mean, they went to the... They went to the point where they were sending service people out for certain things because they were simulating the fact that the virus would have taken down their ability to remotely see things. And in the process, employees died. Simulated. They didn't actually die. (laughs) But this is not great. I mean, one thing that President Obama has been saying since he took um, the White House and Honestly, even even we here all kind of roll our eyes like it's kind of, wow, that's strum up the conspiracy card pretty hard there, don't you think? 
But, but he's been telling us from the very beginning we need to prep the country for cyber attack. And he hasn't actually been the only one, even if he's been the most vocal. And it's been coming to light in the last few years. China is constantly attacking us. They're constantly hacking us. And, you know, what happens if they decide to shut down the power grid to a huge city, wipe out the first responders, and then open the floodgates on a dam? Yeah. Then we're talking more than just 150 casualties. (laughs) My thinking on this is, yes, this needs to be done. Yes, it needs to be done over and over and over again to make sure that everybody knows what they're doing and to make sure that we have the appropriate infrastructure, etc., to withstand this kind of attack. Do you really want to be broadcasting the results that we're a complete mess and that we're a total failure in this respect to the world so that they can come in and do it to us, have their way with us, go home, smoke a cigarette? Maybe that's part of the test. <laughs> now that we've stirred it up, hey, it worked really well for Iron Man and Iron Man 3, right? <laughs> stirred it up and then went home to see what happened. Well, you have a point there. But on the other hand, they, they're they publicizing it for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because they're trying to scare the rest of the industry into you know, actually taking action. And the second is because oftentimes they were actually sending out first responders, military units, emergency services. They were actually sending them out. Just say it's a training exercise. We live by an Air Force base. I hear jets fly over my house constantly. They say it's a training exercise. For all I know, they're out there bombing hillbilly cars. Small, Who knows? Small Utah cities, yeah. Uh, well, they were just trying to get a ho- ahead of the buzz because some conspiracy nuts were starting to spin up that the government was instituting martial law or that people were already attacking us and had boots on the ground. So if you get news like that, that's not true. The truth is that they were running, they were conducting exercises and that we didn't do so That's right. what they want you to think. Uh-huh. What Zahner isn't telling us is that the new flooring in his house is uh, also, like, bomb-proof. <laughs> and the satellites can't see through it. It's awesome. <laughs> that cost extra? <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny. But, man, the installers hated me for it. <laughs> they did. When I asked them to caulk my baseboards, they weren't pleased. Guess what I'm doing all day tomorrow? <laughs> you actually caulk your baseboards? Yeah. Like underneath against the flooring the or up top where the seam is? The drywall. Oh, okay. Well, that makes Don't sense. Don't want crumbs down in between. Come on, man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> First world problems. I know it is, huh? <laughs> We have so much food, I don't want it to be stuck down in my luxurious flooring. Hey, there's starving people in Africa that could benefit from that food. Kind of like the cheesecake from our, uh, not cheesecake, our fruitcake from the pre-show? Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to write about that later. Uh, going off into some other news, uh, the PS4 launched today. Actually, almost 24 hours ago. As of this recording, people have been taking off work and enjoying the long weekend, getting their PS4s ready, unless, of course, it didn't work. How does Sony keep doing this? The PS3 had problems at launch, too, what, didn't it? I mean, not like this, but... No, it, not as bad as this. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, there I, are, I, they there were are trying to beat the Xbox. I, the Xbox One said, oh, we're going to release um, on this date, and PS4 had to beat them. I think they were just in a rush to get it done. Do you really think that's it, or you think maybe it's just Sony's quality control that's lacking? Probably a bit of both. I I recently was in crunch time for a huge project, and I, I I think a lot of the code quality was pretty bad because I was trying to get it done so quickly. But so I maybe maybe a bit of both. I don't know. I coded it in Spanish. What do you mean? <laughs> now, by problems we mean like some people are reporting that the unit doesn't sit flat on a table. That's a pretty bad problem that the actual body of it is torqued. Some people uh, are CPU saying it's loud. No, 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 it's just rocking on the table. <laughs> yeah, this, that the HDMI out doesn't work. That HDCP can't be toggled on and off. That MP3 mode for audio doesn't work at all. And this is with a massive patch uh, launch day patch that went out. So fifty meg download or something. Some things can be fixed. Uh, that they're in the software. Some things like oh my gosh. There's controllers where they're just not working and not responding, or the touchpad on the controller uh, is squishing in an unhealthy manner. Or, like I said, the previously mentioned cabinet is not sitting flat. That's amazing to me. Sony used to be known for such quality. I can't believe that they would have done this. Well, isn't, by design, it's supposed to be like a rocking chair? So you can, like, sit on it no, and rock while you play... <laughs> Whatever. That's the that's the three. That's the PlayStation Three you're thinking oh, about. Oh, okay. Sorry, my my mistake. <laughs> Easy mistake there. Uh, the, I this, is, this one's a, designed to hold up the edge of the couch. I wonder if the cause of a lot of the hardware issues, like the the warping issues, was due to the the high amount of pre-orders over the internet. Uh, I I want to say sixty percent of the pre-order devices were ordered over the internet and shipped. Uh, so they would arrive today. I wonder if a lot of those are just shipping problems. The way that that uh, UPS and and FedEx treat their packages sometimes aren't really that great. Uh, well, so. I don't know. I do a lot of cause... shipping for my job. I mean, I'm shipping hundreds of packages a week. I think I can count on one hand the number of de- damaged devices I have shipped. How many of these yeah. devices are are? 12-pound supercomputers. You'd be surprised. I don't know if... I don't know if <laughs> we can blame this on shipping. I mean... Hey, no, the I'm just trying to give a heart. The actual chassis has been warped. That is... Yeah. It would it would have to be undergo some massive abuse to do that in shipping, in transit. So much so that I don't think it would be the only problem. <laughs> Good point. I, I just don't want to be seen as, like, the Xbox fanboy, so I'm trying to give PS4... This is true. This is true. So. <laughs> now, 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 people who have been having it work, and I, I'm not trying to say that every single person has been having this problem, just a very vocal audience has, um, have been really enjoying it. So much so that I want, I actually put a poll up on our Facebook, uh, admittedly not long enough ago. I didn't get, have enough time to get enough votes, but the new PS4 ad, the singing happy day ad which i love if you haven't seen it go check it out on youtube or on sony.com uh where it has these gamers 
living through these different games, singing about what a wonderful day it is. And it's hilarious because it completely does not match what is going on in the scene. Versus Xbox's new ad, the Xbox One's invitation ad, where you have the mech falling down into a boardroom meeting and inviting him in. You have the soccer player who's inviting the kid down from the stands. Both really great ads, I think. And I put a poll saying, which ad is better? Not console, not games, not company. Which ad is better? And you know what most people ended up saying? Both PS4 fans and Xbox fans said? Both of them are really good. The Xbox One is a little bit better. I found that kind of interesting. A lot of work went into that. I I actually saw the behind the scenes on both of them, and it seems like the budget for the Xbox One was... or The budget for the Xbox One ad was probably triple what the Mm -hmm. PlayStation One was. They had actual actors. Like, that soccer player was a pro soccer player. They had to pay to come out. It just... Yeah. The Sony one was good, and Sony knows how to do good marketing. You know, I mean, they've, they've always had their finger right on the pulse there. Even when their product has failed, or their network is getting hacked, or they're losing loads of money, their marketing's always been real tight. And admittedly, Microsoft has not always. I mean, do we all remember Jerry Seinfeld and Bill Gates dancing at a shoe carnival? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um bad, bad, bad juju right there. But yeah, this one, people said that they really identified more with the Xbox One. One. <laughs> we're going to have, pro- <laughs> we're gonna have, we're gonna have problems with that name. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm barely getting used to the idea that they're using the number one for their third console. We don't have to go off and make it worse by saying Xbox One, One. One, <laughs> one, one. One. <laughs> one. Well, see, and I'm Japanese. In Japan, dogs don't say arf, arf, or bark, bark. They say one, one. Yeah, so it's like a little Japanese doggy with an Xbox symbol. It's the Xbox bark. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, we just diverged there. Okay, into some uh, TV news uh, here. Simpsons, well, I guess technically this isn't TV anymore. Simpsons will soon be available to stream online. That is sweet. What's up? big, lucrative deal, too. Yeah, now, um, after a vigorous bidding war, this is according to a press release here, after a vigorous bidding war, which resulted in what is believed to be the biggest off-network deal ever, FXX has secured the exclusive cable, VOD, and non-linear rights to The Simpsons, the longest-running, most successful comedy series in television history. It was announced today by John Landgraf, CEO of FX Networks and FX Productions, and Chuck Staffler, President, Program Strategy, and COO of FX Networks. Oh, that's a long thing. We talked about Simpsons a lot in the past few weeks for different headlines that have come out. I just find this really, really cool that a show that has been around from before the internet, really, is now taking such a direction on the internet. I don't know. I find that kind of poetic, and I'm not really sure why, but it's just cool. Well, I think the cool thing about this is they're going to be... you're going to have all 24 seasons at once on video on demand. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be amazing to have that kind of catalog right at your fingertips. And granted, they did pay 750 million dollars for it, 
but I mean, 24 seasons, that's just, that's epic. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know if they're all going to roll out at the same time. We're not sure where they're going to roll out, but, but still, yeah, this is, this is huge. And it, it, it kind of gives us hope for all the other stuff that hasn't been picked up by, by Netflix yet or, or Hulu. So, it's, it's good. Very, very, very true. All right. Um, in other, in other, other news. Other TV show news? Sorry, my screen actually just crashed. <laughs> yes, and in other Fox news, strangely. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, after Monday, I apologize the news came too late, but I guarantee you they'll have it on reruns and streaming. But Almost Human starts Sunday and Monday. It's a two-part pilot uh, going Sunday night and Monday night both. This is the uh, the J.J. Abrams and that, yeah, so you have the guy who did Lost and Star Trek and all this other stuff and the guy who did Fringe coming together for a sci-fi show on Fox. All that really matters though is Carl Urban is in it. Yeah, yeah. Carl Urban. <laughs> I'm really surprised by that. That's I like really Carl all Urban. that matters because Carl Urban is just awesome. Now, if you're not familiar, this happens like almost 50 years in the future. A cop is injured on the job, and when he comes back out of his coma, which is almost like two years, he uh, is partnered with a cybernetic android, with a very lifelike android. In fact, it's, uh, it's precinct policy now that all cops get android partners. He doesn't like it, so they give him a specially kind of defective model, actually, who has emotional issues, if you can believe that from a robot. And if this sounds like it's been done before, it has. However, this one is looking really, really awesome. It's the only reason I'm bringing it up here on the show. I really hope to see this continue. I worry, personally, Fox does not have a strong history when it comes to science fiction shows. And I'm not just talking about Firefly, though I am talking about Firefly. Uh, Dark Angel had this problem. Uh, there's just... Fox has issues. However, this, this is a, a science fiction and cop procedural, which cop procedurals has been, they have been doing really well recently with, with the mass public. So, Zana, did you just say full house? I said dollhouse. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That's slightly different. A little bit. Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> the science fiction reboot of full house. Because I want to see Uncle Jesse as a cyborg. That would be sweet. <laughs> his epic mullet of epicness going out and crooning the ladies with his Elvis impersonation. Is this is this cyborg made of wood? <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah, I can't believe I can okay. still do that voice. Yeah. Okay. No, you can't. <laughs> well, there's a there's a way to end the show. Okay, um, we have word from Squishy, who I think, unfortunately, is going to be talking about something we just brought up, but we will hand it off to him. This week on the Scam Show Podcast, we look at Thor 2 as well as the launch of Marvel Phase 2. What does it mean for Marvel movies to come? Terrence Howard shares his feelings about Marvel and how he was treated. FXX buys the syndication rights for The Simpsons for three quarters of a billion. Winter 2015 just keeps getting busier and busier. And could Nightwing be coming to the small screen as well as the big screen? That plus some comics to look out for, and Kevin Smith has a sneak peek at Batman. 
This week on the Scam Show Podcast, Squishies, Comics, and Movies, brought to you by StolenDroids.com. All right, and of course, you can find the Scam Show Podcast every Monday morning at scamshow.stolendroids.com. Hey, by the way, did you know that we all have our own pages now? You can find this show at podcast.stolendroids.com, uh, Squishies, Comics, and Movies at scamshow.com. StolenDroids.com, and our newest show, Starfleet Academy Podcast, with Stark and his crew uh, over at Academy.StolenDroids.com. If you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you do. It's only going to get more and more awesome and epic. Into our favorites this week. Actually, sorry, Zoner, you wanted to say something before the break. I did. What's the over-under on Fox canceling Almost Human? How many episodes? Ooh, ooh. I would say we get through three quarters a season. I say they go full season. I'm hoping they go full season. That <laughs> long? I'll say that. <laughs> Thirteen. Sonner, what are you thinking? I, I'm thinking five. You're thinking five? Wow. I'm thinking five uh, episodes. Okay. I hope I'm wrong because I really, I really am excited for this, and I hope that I'm wrong, but I just mm. don't have confidence in Fox. My my thinking is that something that's expensive, they would have had to at least commit to at least a half season. Dry. I say they go. I ooh. Oh man, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so hard right now. Uh, they promoted just, the crap out of that. Yeah, they did. I just realized uh, all of our favorites uh, relate to the same subject. So this is yeah, fun. yeah. Well, I'm going to start off here. Um, Cinema sins. No, sorry, not Cinema sins, but uh, screen junkies. honest trailers. Screen junkies um, made their honest trailer for Man of Steel. Uh, I have not yet seen Man of Steel. I know, I'm a horrible, horrible geek. But you don't need to have seen it to understand everything in this trailer. This trailer is epic awesome. I especially love how Zod comes to Earth to wipe out humanity using the power of dubstep. Yeah. Um, yeah. No one can make a movie look horrible as well as the guys at Honest Trailer. <laughs> So you should definitely go check it out. Uh, that's my tribute to the Man of Steel this week. Well, just a quick fun side note regarding your favorite. Uh, my boss and one of my coworkers got into like a 45-minute argument on chat and then took it offline for like another hour about why Man of Steel is a horrible film. And every single point that my boss was trying to make was proven by this trailer. So it is... It is an accurate portrayal of the film. Uh, I loved it, though. I loved the movie. Um, but on my, onto my favorite. Uh, my favorite this week is The Man of Steel, the animated series. It is what would happen if The Man of Steel was an animated series. And for those of you who have not seen Man of Steel, I'm going to spoil it for you. But Superman kills a lot of people in the animated series. And it is quite entertaining. And it is quite uh, appropriate based on the source material of the Man of Steel. So, give it a give it a watch. I think it's also by Screen Junkies. Uh, my favorite is by The Daily Show TV, um, but also regarding Superman. This is the voices of Superman and Batman face off. Uh, so they have Tim Daly and Sam Daly, uh, and they bring on Kevin Conroy uh, for the face off and. and if you know The Daily Show, uh, they are really hilarious, so y you have to check this out. What's really awesome is the fact that they're actually acting out the scene from Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. 
where Batman is about to take down Superman. You know, that famous, I want you to remember this. Yeah. You know, in your private moments, my hands around your neck. The problem is, is that Sam Daly, Tim Daly, and Kevin Conroy do not look anything like <laughs> Superman and or Batman. It's really hilarious. <laughs> the dark All light right. rises. <laughs> You're the dark light. Dark night. Really? Come on. Well, okay, that's our show this week. We appreciate uh, you listening, and we want feedback. We want to know what your thoughts are. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Also, you can give us a call. That's 801-917-GEEK. I checked this time. 801-917-4335. Again, check us out. Podcast.StolenDroids.com. Check out our other shows, too. We have even more coming down the pipeline just for you. Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.